Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You and I need to be very cautious on how we treat his temple. And I'm not talking about the church building. I'm talking about yourself. If the Holy Spirit resides inside of you, you need to be careful on how you treat his temple. How you treat his temple. Don't beat up on his temple. Like, and I'm not talking about like, you need to have all this, you know, self-positive talk type stuff. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then your body has become a temple of the one true God. Today, Pastor James says that we have to watch and protect his temple. That means that if you're a believer, you have to make sure all you're doing is honoring and glorifying God. You might have to say no to some things that others do just to protect your body as the temple. When you choose God over the things of this world, then God smiles and he rejoices, knowing that you chose eternal glory over temporary satisfaction. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 17, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. he needs to give you a little discipline, well, that's a reminder that he loves you from the book of Hebrews and that he actually cares about you. But he only gives a little discipline when we actually deserve a little discipline. So live your life where you're walking in freedom, not perfection, but freedom, and just rejoice in the fact that, yeah, God Almighty can do anything that he wants. If he wants to take me out right now, he can take me out right now. I respect that. I have a reverent fear of him, a respectful fear, because he is holy. He is holy. But I did not walk around cowering in fear of God, of like, I think he's going to get me. I think he's going to get me. You can't live like that. I can't even imagine my kids living like that. That would be torture. If like, I'm coming home from work all day and my kids go running and hiding because they fear that dad's going to get them. That's an abusive relationship. That's not what you have between God Almighty. When God shows up, we should be like, Abba, Papa. Like, run to the arms of the Father. Like, He loves you. He loves you. And you guys know the deal. All you, to a certain extent, have understood or encountered this where, yeah, maybe the kids have been bad. And Dad is coming home. And there is a little fear. But it's because they've been bad. And Dad's going to have to sit down and talk to them. And do a little corrective, behavioral corrective method, whatever it may be for you. I don't even know what that is anymore nowadays. I don't know what parents can and cannot do anymore. But in my day, growing up, there was a lot my mom could do and did. (laughs) So it was all experimentation, right? Praise God, I was the last of four. And she was just worn out by the time she got to me, okay? But we all knew if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, and for us, I was raised by a single mom. When mom comes home, yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a whooping. But I also knew I deserved it, right? I also knew like, yeah, I, I've earned it. Tell me what to do. Assume the position. I'm ready to go. I'll try not to do this again tomorrow, but I make no promises. But that's that loving, respectful relationship that you have. It's a healthy one. That's what you have with the Lord. That's what you have with the Lord. Unfortunately, the children of Israel, this generation 
they didn't see it that way. They saw the tabernacle, they saw the presence of God, and they were just living in fear all the time. And they should have just been worshiping. Like, what a beautiful opportunity you had. Like, we have, I think, better than they did, honestly, because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Like, we don't need a tabernacle. We don't need any of that stuff. We have him dwelling inside of us. You are the temple. You are the temple. But, man, what a cool thing. And, and, and shame on us if we, if we don't get it either, right? Because, I mean, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, and it's just a beautiful thing. We should see that as like, man, our God loves us so much that he actually wants to be with us. Man, I'm a big old mess. I don't even want to be with me sometimes. But God's like, you can hang out with me anytime you want. So you go from that into a, a good reminder. Chapter 18. This is just, uh, I'm going to cruise through this because this is stuff that we've, we've already discussed. But this is a, a, just a reminder concerning the priesthood. We, we just determined that, yes, once again, God has selected Levi, I'm sorry, the tribe of Levi, but more specifically Aaron to be the high priest. So God needs to remind everybody of this is the job description for Aaron and the Levites, anybody who serves within this, uh, within this capacity. So chapter 18 says, verse 1, then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons and your relatives from the tribe of Levi will be held responsible for, for any res- uh, offenses related to the sanctuary. <laughs> Pray for your leaders. But you and your sons alone will be held responsible for violations connected with the priesthood. So he's like, God's like, hey, Aaron, don't let this go to your head. I did select you, and I have selected your tribe, but here's the deal. I'm going to hold you guys personally responsible for anything that happens against the tabernacle and the priesthood, any violations connected with the priesthood. So you carry a tremendous weight and tremendous responsibility. This is where those other tribes should have been like, "Woo! praise God, I didn't get picked. Man, let me make sure this rod's not budding any olives, right? Like, if I do, I'm going to hide this thing. It's a tremendous weight. It is a tremendous weight to carry when you're in leadership. There's a responsibility that comes with it. And I don't know why people seek it out. Honestly, I just don't get it. I didn't seek it out. I'll tell you this. From my heart, I had no desire to be a pastor. None. It was not in my plan. It was not at all. I was going to go. I wasn't even planning to be a Christian. That was Part of my plan was just to live life like and then God got a hold of me, praise God for that, and changed all my plans of trying to go to college and earn a business degree, because all I cared about was making money. I wanted to just find a job where I would, could make the most amount of money possible, because I was a poor kid. I was a poor kid. I knew what it was like to grow up poor, and I wanted to know what it was like to live rich. Okay? So I was like, I will do whatever it takes to earn whatever degree I need to, to make the most money I possibly can. So then I will never be poor again. That was my philosophy. That was, that was my plan. God's like, that's, that's cute. It's not happening. That actually would ruin you. He's like, no, you're going to go to Bible college. Uh, I don't know what Bible college is, but you guys know my deal. I was sold. It was Southern California, and I hear there's a lot of girls. So I'm like, sweet, let's, let's go to California, right? I know, bad end, that's like not, not the way to do it. But that's just what God is, he's, this is what he's working with. I get saved right before I go to Bible college, literally right before. And then even out there at Bible college, I have no idea, I know nothing about the Bible other than like Jonah. That's the only story I know. 
And even at Bible college, two years, last semester, what are you going to do with this degree? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what this degree is. It's like an associates in theology. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, does anybody even care about that degree? The answer is no. Nobody cares about that degree. Trust me. Nobody does. All right. Even more so nowadays, there, there ain't nobody on this planet that cares about this degree. I've applied everywhere. We've got an associates in what? Theology. Okay. Can I clean out your animal cages at UTMB? They're like, you're not qualified. I'm not qualified. Um, associates in theology. They're like, yeah, we don't want to deal with you. That was when I first moved here. <laughs> I couldn't get a job anywhere with my associates in theology. But serving and walking with the Lord, then in confirmation from other people, now you've you got a gift. You need to use your gift. You need to... There was some, uh, my first guy who discipled me said, I'm going to recommend you. He didn't tell me this, but he recommended me to be the junior high pastor at the church in Amarillo. One thing led to another, youth pastor, 14 years, and then moving down to Galveston to plant a church, all because God told me to. I didn't seek out pastoral ministry. I did not think I was, I should be doing it because I don't like talking to people. That's my deal. Like, I, I spent most of my life not talking to anybody. My brothers thought I couldn't actually talk because I wouldn't talk to anybody. I was so shy. But it's what the Lord has for me. So I didn't pick this. I absolutely, in submission to God and other people recognizing that I had a gift, I said yes to him. I had said yes to him. So, I've, yeah, I've been in ministry for 20 years. And I can tell you this, it is extremely difficult Extreme. I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. But that doesn't mean it's not fun. It doesn't mean that this, this is like the hardest thing, but it's also the coolest thing I get to do. So for, for Aaron and for his, his sons, God's like, this comes with a tremendous weight. This comes with responsibility. You will be held accountable to a different degree than, than other people. And, and, that's, and that's the deal. And I know people don't like to hear me say this, but look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lead pastor. I'm a senior pastor. I don't like senior because it makes me sound old, I guess. But I'm like lead pastor, senior pastor. I don't care what you call me, but I'm the guy who's got to stand before Jesus one day, and he's going to say, tell me about Calvary Galveston. And it's not me and my team of pastors. They'll answer. Anybody who serves you, you'll answer before the Lord on what he's entrusted to you. Part of that story will be Calvary Galveston to whatever degree you served. But I'm the guy that's got to stand before me. He's like, okay, I entrusted you and I gave you people to help you to shepherd people in Galveston. Let's talk about that. It's a tremendous weight. It's a tremendous weight. And I praise God for verses that remind me that it's not by might nor by power or strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Ah, thank you, Jesus. So God's letting them know, this is it, man. I'm going to hold you guys accountable and responsible for all this stuff. And they're like, okay. Verse 2, it says, bring your relatives of the tribe of Levi, your ancestral tribe, to assist you and your sons as you perform the sacred duties in front of the tabernacle of the covenant. But as the Levites go about all their assigned duties at the tabernacle, they must be careful not to go near any of the sacred objects or the altar. If they do, both you and they will die. The Levites must join you in fulfilling their responsibilities for the care and maintenance of the tabernacle, but no unauthorized person may assist you. So yeah, I love God. He's a God of order. 
He's a God of order. And he's structuring this thing out. He's like, Aaron, you got a job. And then your sons have a job. And then the rest of the Levites, they all have jobs to do. But your jobs look different. They're all important. They all matter. So don't get envious of like, but I'm doing this, but I really wish I was doing that. No, no. Just do what God's called you to do and just do it faithfully. Like, I'm so glad my arms don't desire to be my legs. You know what I'm saying? Like, my arms are made to be arms. My hands are made to be hands. My legs and my feet were made to be legs and feet. And I need them to fulfill their purpose. And it's the same thing. We're the body of Christ. And whatever you fit into, that's what he's made you for. So don't be the, the arm that's like, I just really wish I was a foot. Right? And I'm going to do everything in my power to become that foot. Right? Like, no. The grass isn't always greener. Number one, and just do what God's made you to do. That's, that's all. That's all. Just let's keep it simple. But these guys have different roles, and God's like, there's seriousness to this, to this calling that I've asked you to step into and that I've chosen you specifically for. If you step out of your lane and start trying to fix this or that that doesn't pertain to you, it, it's bad stuff. Bad things are going to happen. He goes on to say, you yourselves must perform the sacred duties in the sanctuary at the altar. And at the altar, if you uh, follow these instructions, the Lord's anger will never again blaze against his people of Israel. I myself have chosen your fellow Levites from among the Israelites to be your special assistants. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord for the service in the tabernacle. Aaron, you don't have to do it all by yourself. And I can read through this and study through this and I can praise God that I don't have to do it all by myself either. No, that, that's a cool thing, right? But you and your sons, the priests, must personally handle all the priestly rituals associated with the altar and with everything behind the inner curtain. I am giving you the priesthood as your special privilege of service. Any unauthorized person who comes too near uh, the sanctuary will be put to death. Serious. Take it serious. So what you see forming in, in Numbers chapter 18 actually develops into this really cool picture in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 6. So you have the apostles who are like doing everything. And then these, these needs, this like there's some complaining that happens. Uh, some widows are not getting taken care of. And so they bring this to the leader's attention, which is always a good idea, by the way, um, and say, hey, here's a problem. And so the, the apostles get together and they're like, well, we have to devote ourselves to to prayer and to the word of God. So what we need is to, we need to raise up people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to serve tables, to be deacons and deaconesses. That's all that word means is servant. That's all it means. Okay. So if you're a Baptist church and you're like ordained as a deacon, I'm sorry to tell you, but you were ordained as a servant. That's just, they just gave you a cool name, right? It's just your servant. And so are we. But in Acts chapter 6, you see this lived out because Aaron had and his sons had to serve in this capacity, which means they needed to delegate or have other people do these things. So Numbers 18 is just a reflection of the reality of Acts chapter 6 for the church. You have people who are leading churches that have to devote themselves to these things and they can't handle all, they can't serve tables too. And it's not because they're lazy, I hope. 
It's because you have to devote time to these important matters, and there's plenty of, plenty of work to go around. Plenty of work to go around. If there's widows who need to be taken care of, there are faithful men and women that God brings to his body that can serve those widows or those orphans or whatever needs are there. There's a lot of tables to be met um, or to be served here at, here at this church. Um, and God knows how to, he just knows how to take care of that. And it, I just, it's always cool to go back through the Old Testament and you see like, oh, this, oh, I, I see that in the Acts. It's really sweet. So you got this, Aaron's, or Aaron's got this privilege, all this good stuff. Last little warning before we cruise through the rest of this portion of text. Be careful how you treat his temple. Okay? Before we move away from this point of like, the severity of like, like the temple of God and the presence of God, you and I need to be very cautious on how we treat his temple. And I'm not talking about the church building. I'm talking about yourself. If the Holy Spirit resides inside of you, you need to be careful on how you treat his temple. How you treat his temple. Don't beat up on his temple. Like, and I'm not talking about like, you need to have all this, you know, self-positive talk type stuff. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that. Like, don't go overboard with it. You're, look, you're a great person, okay? Because you're a sinner saved by grace, right? Like, it's amazing. You're a child of God. If, if, he's your, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you're one of his kids. You're one of his kids. Take care of the temple. And that can mean all sorts of things. I get it, but... What we do need to watch out is, is allowing our minds to be filled with this negativity. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Don't, don't allow that. Why? Because you're like desecrating the temple. Like that'd be somebody coming in here and plastering all these posters on our walls of things that we're not about these things. And everything that I've read from the scriptures, I, I have yet to come across anything that says, you know what you should really do? You should just beat yourself up all the time. Just beat yourself up all the time. It's not in the book. Just think negative all the time. That's not in the book. In fact, uh, we know science tells us the more you do that, the the earlier you're going to see Jesus. Like it is taking years off of your life. I'm not saying you got to walk around and be all slappy happy all the time and whatever, like just oblivious to pain. But this is his temple. We need, I, I need to be really careful with how I treat it, by what I'm taking in. Food, yes. Entertainment, yes. Thoughts, yes. All of it. Who I'm hanging out with, yes. You've got to be very careful. Why? Because this is his temple. This belongs to him. When you receive Jesus, you surrender to him. You said, yes, please, have your way. Make yourself at home in my heart, right? Who's that? Uh, Unger, right? You guys, that's his last name, the author. My Heart, Christ's Home. Have you ever read that little pamphlet? Yeah. If you haven't, buy that thing. Read it. I just read it today, it's, and that tells you. It's a little pamphlet. Um, it's small. It's tiny. Uh, I, bought, I got it like when I was working at the Bible college. It was, by the way, I worked at the Bible college when I graduated. Wow, you were a teacher? Oh, no. They stuck me in the bookstore. Um, that's where they, they were like, let's put this guy in a bookstore, which is a really bad idea because I had an employee discount 
And, uh, and that's you know, all my books in my office. That's where it came from. I was a broke, you know, Bible college staff uh, because I kept buying all their books. But I bought that little pamphlet. I remember seeing that and I was like, I'm going to read through this. And, and what it is is a just um, a man sharing this thought that had come to him about Christ coming into his life. And then him, you know, uh, I think his first name is Bob, but Unger is his last name. Inviting Christ into his heart and saying, yeah, you know, take up residency inside of me. You know, I, my heart is your home. And so then Jesus goes on a tour, so to speak, of his, of his house. And he's looking through all, you know, all his, his rooms and, and he's, you know, addressing things that this guy had in his room, the different rooms. And there, it, the ends, spoiler alert, with there's a closet upstairs that has all the, the junk from the past in it. And Jesus is like, it smells like death up here. Right? He's like, I can't let you in there, Jesus, because I'm ashamed of all that stuff. And Jesus is like, well, you gave me, he's like, you're, you're just treating me as a guest. He's like, you want me to clean out that closet? In this sense, what kind of happens is Jesus is like, I got to own the house. I need to have access to the whole house. And then he shares, a, he let that, and Jesus cleaned out that closet and did everything. It was just beautiful. But he, he uses that cool little illustration to sum it up as like, you've given your life to Jesus. He has access to every single space within your heart. It's his temple. It's his place of residency. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tell us that. Be careful on how you treat his temple. Be careful on how you treat his temple with other people. With other people. Other believers. That's why Christians should be nice to each other. <laughs> we should be. But I don't know what happened when, you, when we got saved, and it's like us sheep developed fangs. And I'm like, I don't, why, where did that come from? Why, why do almost all the hurts and pains come from in, within the church? It just doesn't make any sense to me. We're just chewing on God's temple, right? Like, uh, just respect what God is doing in the lives of other people, have patience, have grace for them, have grace for yourself. But uh, man, respect and, and be careful on how you treat his temple. Okay? Right? So let's move into this last little part. Verse 8. This last section, this is, uh, this is fun. This is about money. So uh, here we go. Get out your wallets. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, verse 8. The Lord gave these further instructions to Aaron. I myself have put you in charge of all the holy offerings that are brought to me uh, by the people of Israel. I have given all the consecrated offerings to you and your sons as a permanent share. You are allotted the portion of the most holy offerings that is not burned on the fire. The portion of all the most holy offerings, including the grain offerings, the sin offerings, the guilt offerings, will be most holy, and it belongs to you and your sons. You must eat it as a most holy offering. All the males may eat of it, and you must treat it as most holy." All the sacred offerings and special offerings presented to me when the Israelites lift them up before the altar also belong to you. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters as your permanent share. Any member of your family who is ceremonially clean may eat of these offerings. So what God is telling Aaron and the Levites is you don't own any land. So because you don't own anything, when these people bring their offerings and their sacrifices, you get a portion of that. Why? So you can live. So you can live.
This has been another edition of Bread for the Broken, and all of us here are so glad that you joined us today. The message you just heard was from the Book of Numbers, where Pastor James has been camping out. Our existence could definitely be seen as dotted with hills, valleys, streams, and rivers, couldn't it? I wonder if we would realize the evidence of God in our lives if we were to map it out on a piece of paper. You'd see where he showed up and where he corrected behavior or maybe where he changed our course. Numbers is a book detailing the Israelites' desert stay after leaving Egypt. In it, we can see how disobedience and defiance don't go unnoticed. God is patient, but there comes a point when our actions deserve redirection, deserve a consequence. We can't follow God and obey what He says if our eyes are always focused on ourselves or our circumstances. So, what do you think? Are you ready for a shift in focus? Are you ready to find hope and new life in Jesus? If so, we'd love to pray with you and walk through that decision with you here at Bread for the Broken. Just visit us at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can connect with us is through our Facebook live stream. It's a great way to connect and learn from afar. We're a laid-back church in Galveston, Texas, that just wants to magnify Jesus at all ages. Will you help us in this mission? On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a donation link. It's easy to use, so we encourage you to check it out. We're so glad that you were able to sit and soak in the words of Jesus today with Pastor James. We look forward to meeting with you again next time, here on Bread for the Broken.